Welcome to Connecting Our Community. It's brought to you by the North Andover Elder Services. Connecting Our Community is an educational series connecting local resources to you to help you and your family age with dignity and independence. My name is Kathy Shelp, and I am the director of the North Andover Elder Services. We operate programs and services at the Senior Center at 120 Rear Main Street, right behind Town Hall. Please stop and see us. Today, our program is going to be on caregiving, and we are joined by Crystal Palazzotti. Crystal's a family caregiver support director at AgeSpan. AgeSpan is an aging service access point, and our area agency on aging covers the Merrimack Valley and North Shore. She has worked at AgeSpan for over five years now and have 10 years of direct caregiving experience in New Hampshire. Crystal's a certified dementia practitioner and a savvy caregiver and a matter-of-balance trainer. As the director of the Family Caregiver Program, Crystal manages a team of special skilled professionals that provide information referrals to programs and services to support your family, whether you're caring for someone at home, in assisted living, or in skilled nursing facility. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me, Kathy. So glad. So we're going to go right into it and um, and talk about caregivers. And how would you define a caregiver? I know a lot of people don't see themselves that way, even they are. And um, who is a caregiver? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think you you know you were right on with that. Some folks are caregivers and they don't even realize it. So we'll start with the actual definition of a family caregiver. So that's any relative, partner, friend, a neighbor who has a significant personal relationship with and is providing a broad range of assistance for, typically we see older adults. It can also be somebody with intellectual or developmental disabilities. We see a lot of caregiving situations when somebody's providing care for somebody with dementia or a chronic or disabling condition. And these individuals could be primary or secondary caregivers. I can talk a little bit more about those terms if you'd like. Um, And you don't have to live with someone to be a caregiver. I often tell folks... If you're making a phone call once a week to check on someone, you're doing caregiver duties. So there's a broad spectrum of what caregiving can look like. Tell me me a little more about the primary and secondary caregiver. Yeah, so when we're looking at the family dynamics and there is somebody in the family who needs some level of care, we usually see that there's a primary caregiver. So what we mean by that is that's going to be the person who's performing the majority of the care tasks. That could be hands-on things like helping with hygiene, meals, et cetera, Um, or it could even be managing finances, transportation, uh, preparing meals. But there's typically one person who's going to take a majority of the responsibility on. Ideally, we like to see collaborative uh, styles in family caregiving, but that doesn't always happen. So every family has different dynamics, and I think it's really important to look for strengths in other family members and maybe someone's really good at managing finances and maybe we have a, a older teenager grandchild who can help with transportation. It's really fitting the tasks to the person's, what they excel at, their strengths, and then everyone can contribute to the family caregiving. That's ideal. Um, we don't see that as much as we would like to. We typically see the burden falls on one primary caregiver Um, Occasionally, we'll see two adult children caring for parents, but again, there's going to be someone who's taking on most of the responsibility. And and the complications uh, just must really kick in when you have two adult siblings that are trying to do it, and uh, 
maybe have a disagreement on how things are going to be done, or they live in different parts of the country and uh, trying to face those challenges. So what, what are some of the other impacts? They, they must be huge on a family when they are trying to care for their family, their, their family member. And, and I'm, you know, would expect that there is positive and negative impacts. Yes, there is. So we'll start with the negative because I always like to turn around to a positive. Um, So there are a lot of cons to being a family caregiver. The number one thing is there's no formal training, right? Mm -hmm. When you have to become a family caregiver, somebody doesn't knock at your door and say, okay, it's time to learn how. It's usually we see folks are figuring it out as they go. So anyone can understand how that might be stressful. You touched upon a little bit, you know, if there's two siblings caring for a parent, it can certainly put strain on relationships. Maybe folks don't agree on how things should be getting done. Maybe someone's contributing more than the other. Um, It can also impact the caregiver and the care recipient's relationship. I often see um, at our agency age span that when I'm talking to an older adult caring for a parent, they really struggle with making decisions for a parent because that's not something we usually do. We rely on our parents to be that strength and decision maker, and now it's a role reversal. We see it a lot for spouses too. Um, Typically, if there's a husband caring for a wife, you know, he wants to do the right thing. And when they can't tell you what they want or how they want things anymore, it's hard to know if you're doing things right. So it really puts that strain on the caregiver, which then strains the relationship. Um, Financial burden is a huge one, uh, particularly if the care recipient can no longer work or, you know, has a steady income or is relying on a very minimum income. That puts a huge strain on spouse caregivers, children caregivers, because they now have to step up and help with, you know, the life. Life costs money, right? So the financial burden is a real big one. Um, And then, of course, stress and burnout. Um, Unfortunately, family caregivers are at risk, very high risk for burnout because they often don't stop to take care of themselves. And I I use this example over and over again. It's the the airplane example, right? What do they always tell you in case of an emergency? Put your mask on before you help someone else. And I like to remind family caregivers of that because I I don't think that they realize the importance of something like self-care and that it's okay to take a break. Um, the guilt really creeps up on them. So those are certainly some of the negatives. Do you see Do you see a generational, um, I don't know, divide, a, a generational between self-care? I think that there is a generation that has been really raised on self-care and then there's a generation that never even considered self-care. And um, do you see that in, in your work? Yes, I do. I, you know, that's one of the questions when I'm performing an assessment on a caregiver. It's like, what do you do for yourself? And Mm -hmm. some of them are great. They say, oh my goodness, I meditate every morning. I go for a walk. I go to my yoga class. And then others are like, something for myself. What's that? Mm -hmm. Um, And it, it, you know, when I let them know that we have programs and services at AgeSpan that can help them get that break Their brain often immediately goes to like, oh, great, because I have a doctor's appointment coming up. So I do need that respite care. um, And that would be wonderful. And I I remind them, like, you don't have to just use it for appointments. It can be to just take a break and step away and recharge your batteries. So I do find that they, a lot of caregivers need that constant message of you need to take care of yourself too. You matter too. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's guilt. That's, I've not been a caregiver. I do watch my, my, my son and his wife are a caregiver. To, uh, we have a, a medically challenged 
granddaughter, and they are caregivers, and, and I do do watch them. Um, and they're not always good about asking for help. And one of the things that they'll say, sometimes we just can't, we, we're so deep into it when we realize we need help. Like they are trying to find a rhythm, but they can't always find that rhythm. And so I imagine that's pretty typical. It is very typical. And I love that you mentioned, you know, asking for help, because that's another thing that I really encourage caregivers to do. Be assertive, speak up and ask for help. And I, I think oftentimes caregivers realize how big the burden can be when you're providing care for someone that they don't want to involve anybody else. But oftentimes folks are just waiting for you to say, you know, I really need help next week with getting mom to the doctor's appointment. And then somebody feels, you know, like that's almost like a compliment. Wow, you're reaching out for help. I would love to help. So sometimes it's just speaking up, which isn't always easy. Yeah, I would get giddy when they would ask me if I'd stop and get her medication to go, of course I will. Yeah, (laughs) you're helping. What else (laughs) do you want me to do? Oh, yes. You know, anything. So um, what are some of the positive uh, impacts that you see? Sure. So, I mean, the number one positive thing is this is an act of love, a kindness gesture that you're doing for your family member. I think, you know, when you're going to invite somebody in that you don't know to help with the caregiving, which is wonderful if you can do it, but it's a little out of your control. So when you're providing the care yourself, you're in control. It's to the level of your liking. You can see what's happening and you can know that your person is okay. So it's really that reassurance and that act of love that is the most rewarding. And I think that's something that goes unnoticed. But again, you have to remind caregivers that this is a big job that they're doing. And we thank you. You're helping the quality of life of your loved one, you know, by being there, supporting them. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, And, you know, we often see with children who are caregivers to their aging parents, adult children, it's almost a way to pay back, right? Mm -hmm. Because as children... Our parents are there as our nurturers, our providers, and we don't really give much thanks as children. So it is a nice way to pay back the parent for the care they provided for you. But again, that's role reversal. So you have to just coach the, the caregivers through that so they can realize that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really just those, those feelings, those moments when you make them smile, um, having a laugh with them, that's those are the prawns, the pros, the little things. Yeah. Do you see um, the challenges of, you know, where you draw the line and um, in any of your trainings that you do, say an adult child that, that's caring for an aging parent, when the parent will stop making their own decisions because we really want them to be, you know, self-determined and, and to be able to still control their lives. And we don't want to take that control away, but there is a point some time that we have to. And, and and what is your training? Help them to make that decision. How do you do that? Yeah, we have a lot of wonderful decision-making models and goal-setting activities that we do throughout educational trainings that we offer through AgeSpan um, that does just that. It helps build the confidence and allows them to say, okay, this might not feel like it used to feel, but somebody needs to make the decision and I want to make sure it's the right one. So we have a lot of different ways, you know, whether it's as simple as a pros and cons list. Um, we have options, outcomes, values, and likelihoods. Some people like that. You mm-hmm. kind of write it all out, talk yourself through it. You can use it for any decision, really. Um, and caregivers really respond to that. I'm, I'm always hesitant to introduce these in-depth ways of thinking and breaking it down because it just feels overwhelming and they already have enough on their plate. But caregivers just love it. Um, and we also encourage them to set goals, right? Have plans, backup plans. You never know in case of emergency. 
get all the legal stuff figured out while the person is still cognitively or able, if they can, to participate. You know, we really make them think about the future probably earlier than anybody would. And I I like to tell caregivers, this isn't to scare you because I know it can be scary to think about what in five years the situation might look like. Um, But then you won't be going in head first. You have a plan in place. So it's all about that plan. And then it's about having a plan B just in case it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. Yeah, we, we always need that plan B, don't we? Do. And, I, and I do think it is. It, it goes back to that act of love that you're really protecting your parent by getting some of these decisions made while they can participate in that decision making, especially, again, if there's a, a, a dementia or Alzheimer's or a cognitive issue that's going on. So absolutely, um, it is, is definitely in their best interest. Um, what's the emotional toll it takes on a family caregiver? Yeah, emotional toll is the big one. And that's another one that's not talked about enough. um, And caregivers really don't recognize it. So when we are enrolling somebody in our family caregiver support program at age span, we ask a lot of questions about how they are feeling. And sometimes caregivers are a little taken back by that because they're so used to speaking about their care recipient, answering questions about the care recipient. And I have to almost say, let's take a pause for a minute. This is about you. I'm checking in on you because we know the emotional toll that this is taking on you. And about 16% of family caregivers will will report that they feel emotionally strained. And then about another 25% will say, you know, they don't say they're emotionally strained, but they say it's definitely hard to manage And then frustration is another huge one. We'll see about 15%. You know, they've tried everything. They've called everyone and things just aren't working. And that emotionally is really, really weighs a lot on a caregiver. Again, the importance of self-care. So they have those moments to check in with themselves. And, you know, not everything's going to be perfect. I encourage them to take a strategic look at everything they do, which again, isn't something you normally do with a family member. But look at it strategically. Be willing to experiment. If it doesn't work, try it again a little different right. the next day and see how that gets. Yeah, be you. willing. Be willing to fail. To yes. fail at it, you know, failure is is not the end. Right. It, it is. It's a starting point to to get it. You know, to do it better. Exactly. And uh, and, and to move forward. And um, what about during the pandemic? It, that that is was an incredibly stressful time under normal circumstances. And now you had adult children that were taking care of their aging parent and their kids were home schooling as well. Yeah. So what's jumping out to me from hearing you say that is these sandwich generation Mm -hmm. caregivers, right? So what what I mean by that is the caregiver who has aging parents that may need some support and then they're raising children at the same time. Now at a pandemic, you're working from home, you're stuck in the house, Life is on pause, but yet mom and the children still have needs and you also have to work on the computer from nine to five. So it's been tough um, to put it, you know, that's the only way to put it. It's, we already know family caregivers are isolated, right? Because they're so busy. They're doing so much that they're, they're no longer seeking out their own needs, their own leisure activities with friends. They're letting appointments go. So during the pandemic, they were more socially isolated than ever. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank goodness for Zoom. I know we're all Zoomed out now, but thank goodness. But those first few months where life just wasn't happening at all, um, it was tough. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we went back to to traditional phone calls and check-ins like that. Um, And then you had different levels of fear in people, right? Some people 
and didn't want anybody to come in the home. Maybe they were used to having like yeah. a home health aide come in a couple times a week. And now it was like, no, 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 no. I don't want anyone in the home. So now all that again falls, that burden falls back on the caregiver. And then we had some family dynamics where maybe the primary caregiver was like, I need the help. Somebody has to come in. But her brother, who barely helps with the care, is commenting that nobody should be in the house. So now, again, you're seeing more dynamics like that, making these decisions even harder to make. And then on top of it, you know, the worker shortage, right? People were were scared. We were scared. We didn't know what to expect. Um, And we saw a big decline in the availability of in-home services, respite Mm -hmm. services, those services that caregivers truly, truly need. Are we seeing that trend to go back, getting back to normal yet? Not quite yet, yeah. but we're hopeful that it will be. It's getting better and better it's, it's each moving day. Up. It's, it's moving, moving up. It's moving up. That's if right. we just want to see the trend going in a positive way. Exactly. Yeah, change doesn't come overnight for sure. It does not. No. no. And um, all right, so so we understand you know the challenges and um, and the rewards of doing the family caregiver. Um, do they normally reach out for help? You know, there's some do. Some certainly do. But most folks that are referred to our family caregiver program, so that is our family caregiver support program. It's at age span um, that Kathy mentioned earlier. We're right up the street from Kathy's senior center, so we're neighbors. Um, And we're really there just to help the caregivers navigate it all. So we are the bridge, the friendly listener to provide information, referrals to these programs and services that caregivers may not even know exist. And we certainly do see self-referrals where folks are probably Googling or know somebody who knows somebody and they send them to our website. We have a very easy referral form right on agespan.org. Um, and they can refer themselves. But most of our referrals are coming from our home care staff who are going in the home and are Mm -hmm. offering some type of service to the care recipient, and then they see a caregiver in the home or hear from a family caregiver, and they can tell there's some stress, there's some burden. So we get a lot of internal referrals from home care right over to our program, which is so easy. We're all in the same place. We also see a lot of referrals from folks who work at hospitals, doctor's offices, social workers. Um, they know what they're looking for. And when they see a stressed caregiver, they know to come to us at age span. Um, and our program is, you know, it's the bridge to connecting caregivers to all the resources in the community. Right. Caregivers don't have a lot of time. So we make it a little easier for them to navigate and find these mm-hmm. services. And, um, and you, you are one of our number one referrals when people do call us uh, for, for multiple reasons. And um, so they can reach out to you. They can reach out um, online. And uh, is there a phone number that they can call HSPAN directly? There is. There is a phone number directly um, that they can call HSPAN. We have an 800 number. So it's 800-892-0890. You can do that. Um, or you can jump right on our website, agespan.org, A-J- G-E-S-P-A-N.org. We have a lot of resources. If you're looking for caregiver, you can go right to the menu and caregiver support will pop up and there's a simple referral form. Um, You can refer yourself, you can refer someone you know, or somebody else can put the referral in and then you can expect to hear from one of our trained staff um, within two to three business days. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. And then again, this is all no cost. It's an assessment. Um, I the staff in our caregiver department are wonderful. They have not only professional but personal experience when it comes right. to caregiving. So you're in good hands. And and there's also a lot of educational resources right on your website there uh, is. that are support um, 
uh, support information that they you can access on your own. And um, tell us a little bit about um, Savvy Caregivers, because in the North Andover Senior Center, we're going to be running the program with HBAN is going to come in and do it for us. And uh, it's an eight-week program. And uh, tell us a little bit about Savvy Caregivers. Yeah, so six-week program. Or six-week, thank um, you. Yep, but we do have some <laughs> eight weeks, so they're easy to confuse. Yeah. Um, so, yep, that's one of our educational evidence-based programs. It is a wonderful program. I like to say Savvy Caregiver is the best of both worlds. It's as if an educational training and a support group got married. They're going to get, yeah, they get a little bit of both. We're going to always have that check-in at the beginning of the session. Like Kathy said, it runs for six sessions, two hours each week, same place, same time. We also offer it remotely. So it's nice, depending on folks' comfort level, but we're excited to do one at the North Andover Senior yeah, Center. to be live again, Yeah, right? it'll yeah. be our first in-person one in well over two years. Yeah. So it's so exciting. Um, and, you know, we start with a, a kind of a deep dive into the disease because savvy is for somebody who's caring for a person with any type of dementia or cognitive impairment. We find that caregivers who are providing care for somebody with Parkinson's is also a good fit to savvy because you okay. see similarities in dementia and Parkinson's. So we do do a deep dive into the disease because I think step one, when you're providing care to somebody with dementia, because we do see those behaviors that often drive the caregivers crazy, Right. If you can separate the disease from the person and realize that they're not deliberately doing it. So that's why we, because I'm not a doctor, we don't claim to be doctors, um, but it's good to know that it's the disease that's causing this. And that's really when you see the light bulbs start to go off and the caregivers are like, oh, okay, this is what's happening in their brain. This is why they feel the way they do and, and act the way they act. Um, then we talk a lot about the stages of the disease. Um, it is progressive and you can expect different things as it progresses. So we we hear a lot from caregivers, you know, my person can no longer do this. My person can no longer do that. And what Savvy Caregiver does is it changes their way of thinking to focus on what can your person right. still do and let's build from there. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of self-care, uh, decision-making, tapping into family as resources, you know, local agencies like the Senior Center and AgeSpan as resources, and just checking all those boxes. Oh, we're very, very happy and pleased, especially to be in person again and, and get these programs back going. Um, we do have at the, at the North Andover Senior Center, we have a monthly uh, support program for um, early diagnosis of Alzheimer's, and, mm -hmm. um, and it is sponsored by the Alzheimer's Association, and we have uh, uh, facilitators that run that program on a monthly basis, and it, it is for both um, those that are just diagnosed and their caregivers. We separate the groups for part of that, and, and then they get back together at the end of the evening. So it, it's a wonderful program and, and well attended as well. And um, HSPAN also, you have caregiver support groups? We do, yeah. So in the Family Caregiver Support Program, we offer support groups. And, you know, I know we've talked a lot about dementia caregivers. Our program is not just for somebody caring for somebody with dementia. If you're caring for anyone over the age of 60, you're a good fit for our program. Um, if you're a grandparent raising grandchildren, which we do see a lot of that, um, you also are a good fit for our program and any caregiver that's 55 years of older um, and is caring for somebody with a disability between the ages of 18 and 59, it's eligible for our program. So, you know, don't be shy to ask. We have a lot for everyone and support groups are one of the most popular yeah. um, and we have support, support groups specific to caring for somebody with memory loss. We have a grandparents raising grandchildren support group. 
And then we just have a general caregiver support group. So there's something for everyone. Oh, wonderful. And, and are they um, virtual right now? Have you started any live support groups back yet? Yeah, so they're all still happening on Zoom, but that is going to be changing very soon. Um, speaking of the Alzheimer's Association, I am partnering with them, and they're connecting me with a new facilitator, and we're going to be starting an in-person one at our Danvers site um, so hopefully at the end of April, if all nice, goes as planned. Nice, yeah. Cause we do have, you know, some caregivers that just don't want zoom and I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. so we're excited to do in person. There's, there's something, lo- I mean, zoom was just such a gift during the pandemic. Yeah. It just, you know, uh, really, uh, just can't imagine how we would have done it without it, right. but there is a point you, there's something lost and, um, and when you're in zoom, so it is, it is much nicer to, to be in person and, and to see that happening. So I wish everyone could see your face when you were talking about your new program and you were so excited. So we're, we're happy about that for yeah, you. Yeah. So tell me tell me a bit more about AIDSPAN because you do, AIDSPAN uh, is um, is pretty vast and their, their reach is, yeah. is wide. Tell us about it. Yeah, so in the introduction, Kathy mentioned that we're an agency on aging. Um, so there is an agency on aging that covers every city and town throughout the state. Age span specifically covers the 28 cities and towns that make up the Merrimack Valley and the North Shore. So we have a really wide net. Um, A lot of people served. And Family Caregiver Support Program, that's the program I work for. But we have a lot going on. We have a nutrition department with Meals on Wheels deliveries. We have a home care department that I mentioned briefly that can help um, any older adult at home that is struggling, needs some support. You get a case manager who really designs a care plan for you that we can get services in place. And it's, you know, it's really just the one-stop shop for all services for aging. And we recently changed our name. We were formerly Elder Services of the Merrimack Valley and North Shore. And we we changed our name exactly because we no longer just service older adults. We service across the whole age span, um, hence the new name. <laughs> so, you know, we have all kinds of services for folks. We have educational programs. We help get them enrolled with insurances. I mean, the list goes on and on. So don't hesitate. Visit the website, agespan.org. Um, I guarantee there's a service that can help someone you know or you yourself. Yeah, you you are again. You are one of our number ones, and you know, in a senior center, we're we're a referral agency, and so people call in and have challenges, and some things we can help them with directly, but a lot of things like that in home care, that's not something we can do. Um, also, you are our reporting agency uh, for elders at risk and elder abuse, and yes. so we would report and uh, report that to you to you all, which is just a, a wonderful piece. So for anybody out there too. If they can report directly to you also. It doesn't have to come from us. Anyone can call. You're right. And how could I forget protective services? Yeah. Yep. So if you know of an older adult that is at risk of financial explo- exploitation, any type of abuse, uh, neglect, please, yes, we have an emergency hotline you can find right on our website where you can report any of that. And so, which is includes self-neglect as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, which often we don't think about. And um and, and self-neglect is, 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 is right there yes. um, with that, which is always a challenge because, you know, we people have a, they have a choice to live how they want to live. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure for your, um, your investigators and your social workers that go in there, sometimes it's hard to walk away. It is hard, but, you know, we want folks to stay in their home for as long as they yeah. can, and that's really the underlying mission of AgeSpan. 
Um, we want the quality of life to be there. And we know that if folks can age in place at home, that's when the quality of life really stays. So that's the goal. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it. Um, and if any of you have any questions, you can certainly reach out to the North Andover Senior Center or call AIDSPAN directly, and, and we will get you that information. We want our caregivers, our family caregivers, to take care of themselves and take care of their family member and we're all here to help and want everyone to, to know that and to remember that. Um, so thank you for joining us today. Um, and be sure to look out for our next program. Our next program on connecting our community is called Medicare 101. And we're going to start to uh, look into Medicare and, um, and why it's so complicated and hard to make a choice. So, um, But again, this is brought to you by the North Andover Elder Services. We are connecting our community through service, experience, and advocacy. Have a wonderful day, and give us a call. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks, Kathy.